I guess in terms of music, I do a bit of folk pop. I like incorporating themes of growing up and life and following dreams and stuff like that. I've only recently gotten into vocal music a few years ago. I really like writing instrumental music. Um, so I do that sometimes on the side as well. I like writing compositions. And then I do, my primary field is in game audio. So I do a lot of game audio um, on the side when I'm not working on these other two endeavors of mine. Quite a lot, but um, all kind of revolving around creative audio in, in some field. Mm -hmm. I'm keen to talk about the latest single, but I guess you kind of mentioned there that you um, your initial releases were instrumental collections, um, and now the the subsequent album and singles released since have incorporated vocals. Do you feel like there was any challenges or nerves to you incorporating your voice into the music, or was it more of just freeing and able to like express your ideas more clearly? I definitely, um, I definitely wanted it to be. It was hard for me to express a lot of my ideas in just uh, instrumentals. Um, there were some, I guess, like some fun wordplay I had that I wanted to get out there and maybe attach to some of my songs. Um, it was definitely a challenge switching from instrumental to vocal because I, because I was so used to instrumental and so hearing my voice, like, it's like that reaction you have when you hear your voice like over recording and you're like, oh, that's what I sound like. And that's definitely how I felt for the first few songs that I tried recording vocally yeah for sure and um i assume that you've you were doing kind of all the engineering and mixing yourself as well uh, yes i have mostly done all of my stuff since the beginning sometimes i will if i don't have the time or if i just want to test out and make some connections i will send out for mixing perhaps like uh an online mixing service or something but that rarely happens i usually am the one that does my stuff yeah yeah, for sure. And I can definitely, listening to it, kind of feel that there is that kind of um, cohesiveness in, in the sound and like in the mixing as well, that it, it will is very expressly you. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so I guess let's get into it. Your new single, Sweater Aesthetic, has been out for a little while now. Um, how did that track specifically kind of come about and what are some of the ideas behind it? So the track itself, I guess it didn't come out like in any special way, I guess. It was... The initial idea came in around the fall. Fall is kind of like sweater weather, you know, you it's changing from the summer to the fall and you're going outside, but it's a little chilly outside. And so initially, it kind of just felt like a really basic idea, like about sweaters. But then the more I kind of wrote the words, the more I kind of saw that there could be a lot read into it, like um, a sweater is covering you in the same way you try to hide your true personality. And so I tried to incorporate stuff like that into the lyrics of the song. Um, and then the lyrics came first, for sure. And then the I wrote the music to it around throughout the winter. And then I put it all together and uh, released it a few weeks or a few months ago. Yeah, incredible. And yeah, I do love that um, kind of idea of tying that uh, a sweater is like something where it's like, physical protection from the weather but also kind of um how we kind of mask um different emotions and personalities as well mm -hmm. i feel like Our true selves yeah and i feel like for queer people especially that um you know our, our identities um kind of is tied into 
our presentation and performance in the world. And then sometimes for safety, we do have to like mask that or certain aspects of ourselves. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed listening to it. Well, cool. I'm glad. And I definitely agree. You know, it's uh, on the queer thing in the world of LGBTQ plus sometimes, you know, we've, we wear that mask and it's just, it's important to sometimes learn to get comfortable without it. Yeah. And, and find the spaces where you, you don't need it as much. Right. Do you, do you have any plans for kind of another album that maybe Sort Aesthetic will be a part of or, you know, EP or is kind of your approach just single by single right now? I was really for this year thinking of doing single by single, um, but the people who I've spoken to and have listened to Sweater Aesthetic said that they really like it and they really think that it could fit into like a larger cohesive project. And I don't think I'd write an album right now, but I'd maybe write like a three or four track EP type of thing. Nothing is written. Nothing is written right now, I guess, is the is the very short way of what I'm trying to say, but I am into it. I could write something in the future probably. Yeah, incredible. Um, and I guess kind of in extension with that, when you are working on a, a larger like music project compared to just a single do you, do you think about kind of the cohesiveness of the tracks or yeah, how does that work for you? Is it all planned out or is it kind of just developing each single and seeing how they fit together in a project? I definitely, when I um, started out in instrumentals, I would have a theme beforehand before I even started writing the songs. So like um, my first album was called Day to Day Thoughts and it was sort of each song represented a different part of the day. Um, getting up, um, going to school, eating lunch, um, and each song represented like the, a different amount of emotion that I would at least have during um, that period. Same thing happened with my second instrumental album, um, Life as an Ocean. But I guess it has been hard for me. I, I've written one EP and one album so far, aside from singles uh, for vocally, and it's been hard for me to find a cohesive way to make songs and also put them together within a theme. Um, that possibly could be something to challenge me, I think, with this, with Sweater Aesthetic, if I built an EP to make a, to find a theme that could work around it with other songs. Yeah, for sure. Well, excited to hear if it comes about, or if not, excited to hear the the new singles regardless. I'm excited to put them out. <laughs> when did you kind of start composing and writing music, or has that kind of always been a part of your life? Um, music in general has always been a part of my life. I, Ever since I was like really, really young, I um, wanted to learn to play the piano. And my mom took me to the piano place where you learn to play piano and they wouldn't let me learn because they said my hands were like too small. Um, and so I had to like wait a year until my hands grew a bit so that I could hit the keys and whatnot. But I only started writing, um, I think, in college, um, compositions and stuff, senior year of high school and then moving on to college. I think I had a lot more time like to myself and to reflect on how like the last 18 years of my life at that time had gone. And uh, I discovered various uh, DAWs and um, composition softwares, and I just kind of got into it. Um, it, was, it was sort of a newer thing for me. I had always been into playing music, but I had never really thought of writing music until then. 
Yeah. Wow. So just um, kind of decided you wanted to start writing and jump straight into it in all kind of aspects of the production. Yeah. So I guess kind of an extension around that time, did sound design also kind of become something you were becoming interested in, like either in film or within games? Or was that kind of something that developed after you had already become comfortable with music production? So I really enjoyed sound all the time, but I went to college for a math degree initially, and that, um, I guess I was scared of, like I knew how much I liked music and I knew how much I liked sound design, but I was scared of going after it. But then, I guess just after the first year, um, there's, a, <laughs> there's a limit to how much Calc 2 you can take. And I was like, you know what, I'm here, I'm going to take the risk and so that's when I transferred to the music department. And the more I didn't have a, a specific major yet, it was just a, B, a, a BM in music. And the more I spent time in the department, the more I would like analyze things on my own, analyze movies, analyze games, and see how much the sound design intertwines with the uh, with the music. Um, how they're like two parts of a whole. And so I eventually that became my field of study at school was sound design because I I kind of grew into it, I guess, is the, <laughs> the short way of what I'm saying is that it definitely wasn't something that I went after first. It was something that kind of uh, clawed its way onto me the more I learned about it. Yeah, sure. And like developed out of kind of just a curiosity within sound and how, how it works functionally. Yes. Yeah, incredible. And I guess kind of an extension that um, sound design and composition in video games specifically can often be done without programming knowledge. So sound, sound designers will make audio assets and pass them over to a development team. Um, what made you kind of want to focus on the implementation as well? Um, I really like the ass I, I like the control and the precision of it um so you can make an asset and you can send it off to someone and then they can implement it but if they implement it like a beat off or if the way they implemented it you can't hear the effects that you put on it um i preferred to learn the implementation as well so i could have the control over how it sounds so that it best represents me and my sounds yeah, for sure. And um, I guess now that we're talking about games, um, can you tell us a bit about kind of Trashfire Games and how that came about? Yeah. Um, so Trashfire Games, um, I guess going back with all the sound stuff, um, as I began to learn more about sound in movies and video games, I began to do these things um, called game jams, where like it's like online, you get a team of five people and you make a game in like a week or something and then you have something to put on your portfolio and i would do some of those for a little bit uh under sound and i would learn and understand sound more but i kind of i don't want to say got bored but i kind of felt like um the small projects weren't fulfilling um the need i had to learn more about what a project setting was like with other people who also work long-term in the industry. So my friend, Robert Sandoval, and I, we it was initially a game jam. We found a game jam where it was like, complete something in a year. And so he and I were like, wow, let's do this. Let's make a big game. And we found people who would join us and 
we had an idea. And by the time we were like three months into production, um, it was going so well that Rob and I were like, you know, I think we could really do this. And so we formed um, Trashfire Games, a company. It's got its own LLC and its own Twitter and Instagram and everything. And the game we're currently making, we're hoping if everything turns out well by the end, uh, we're definitely hoping to sell it online um, so that people can play it and see what we've done. And I hope they like it. Yeah, incredible. And um, if I believe that game is an eternity gone by. Yeah. What, what's kind of your role more specifically in that project? I'm not going to lie. My role, I think, is a little messy right now because because Rob and I are the two co-founders, we kind of saw ourselves as the directors of the game. Um, but I did not want to give up that control over the audio aspect. Um, so I'm kind of co-director, but I am also sound designer. I've definitely handed off composition to someone else, but I I don't know. Once I try it, once, there's just this thing about the sound design that just I need to make sure it is absolutely perfect. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And, you know, it's the beginning of, of Trash Ride Games, so obviously the, the founders are going to be a lot more hands-on with those, those first few projects, um, and, and that is your expertise. So that makes sense to me. Yeah, no, yeah, we, we definitely are hands-on. We try to have meetings like every two weeks. Um, I like to check in with people every week over message, see how they're doing and stuff like that. Uh, it's a very remote team. Um, we never get to meet like in person because everyone's in a different state or in a different country. Um, but that's one of the things that we really enjoyed about the team is that we just, we got to not only learn about games, but we got to learn so much about each other and different parts of the world yeah incredible and do you think um you know your time since trash fire started has like informed your your music practice and um you know your making of music in any way even in just like you know working within a team and that collaborative process and and learning from other people's experiences do you think it in any way has kind of um informed or like changed the way you approach um creativity within music yes for sure um I think something about me is that I'm very impatient. Um, and so working with a team has kind of taught me how to, I guess, be patient because if I want something, but, you know, I told them you have a week to do it and only two days have passed by, you know, I can't be messaging them every five seconds like, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? You know, it's an, it's helped me a lot more on trust and it's helped me a lot more in terms of patience um because when it's when it's your project it can be very hard to just control urges for to like just keep going and keep going because you're super excited because you're making a project you're making a song you're making a game um but when it's collaborative it, ha it has to be a little more professional you have to respect everyone's boundaries a little bit more my next few questions are kind of more about you know this being loud and queer um and talking about queer identity a bit do you feel the queer community around you, you know, being that your queer friends and family has like inspired your creative projects in any way, be that, you know, music or, or the game design? I definitely have tried to incorporate my queerness into my music and other endeavors. Um, I feel for me, it, I really hit that spot when I was going through um, discovering my own sexuality in high school, 
and I wrote the first draft of Life as an Ocean, um, which is an instrumental, but and so I know it's hard for perhaps others to get the same meaning that it meant to me, but it had a meaning to me as I wrote it sort of discovery. Um, the album itself is, it starts, it's kind of like a concept instrument album, I guess, if you would. It starts as a, a boat that's sailing off to sea, and then there's a bunch of other tracks that have titles that represent different things about sailing and being on the ocean, and then you come back. And for me, that was sort of um, a representation of discovery, because I was really discovering myself um, in high school. Um, and then I've always thought about coming back to it in vocal work and being more um, present and outstated about it. I did try to write a song. Um, it is, it's called Mama Maybe, and it is on Spotify and stuff like that. Um, but you know, artists are their own worst critics and I don't, I don't think I did the queer community justice on that song. I really would like to re-record it and change the, but there, I tried once for sure out there and it's out there and I see it there and I'm like, oh, if I need to change that. <laughs> no, I mean, definitely respect the attempt. And, and I think, it, you know, exploring your like queerness and identity, either conceptually or more like overtly is, is completely valid and, and people will find it and appreciate it like regardless. Yeah, I hope so. Um, and cool. My final question now, um, this one we kind of ask every, we've been asking everyone on Loud and Queer this year. It's kind of more broadly, but what is your relationship with the queer community? I would say it could be better. You know, honestly, it's, I, I work part-time, um, at a library, so I don't meet a lot of people. And then I come home and I work on the game all day. Um, and so in general, I could do with a lot more socializing and meeting people. And that in, uh, includes for sure the queer community. Um, I was really big uh, in college and the few years after that, um, going to the pride parades and going to all the clubs and meeting people. Um, I don't know. I guess just having reached adulthood, um, I need a I need a second charge. I need a second battery to get me out there. But I I would like to. I would like to be close to the queer community again. Yeah, for sure. No, that makes sense. And I think you know um, the the queer community like conceptually can be kind of anywhere. Um, so yeah, I, I hope you can find um, that some kind of space that where you can kind of be with other queer people. Um, it's not always going to be a pride parade, but maybe within um, game design, I feel like there, there's more and more um, out people within the indie game space as well every year. Thanks so much for coming on to Latin Queer. I really appreciate uh, your time and your answers. Where can people find you online to, to keep listening and be there for, for future releases? From music, you can find me uh, on Spotify, um, Apple, all those places uh, just under John Greska. And then for Trashfire, we do have a website, trashfiregames.com. And then uh, you can find, uh, we have an Instagram, a Twitter, and a Facebook account all under Trashfire Games. So you just kind of Trashfire Games plus Twitter, and then you'll find us. Mm-hmm.